Welcome to the Dead Author Society. Frank Herbert, February 11th, 1986. Rest in peace. Children of Dune Chapter 10 I will not argue with the Fremen claims that they are divinely inspired to transmit a religious revelation. It is their concurrent claim to ideological revelation which inspires me to shower them with derision. Of course, they make the dual claim in the hope that it will strengthen the Mandarinite and help them endure in a universe which finds them increasingly oppressive. It is in the name of all those oppressed people that I warn the Fremen. Short-term expediency always fails in the long term. The Preacher Adarakin. Leto had come up in the night with Stilker to the narrow ledge at the crest of the low rock outcropping which seached Burra called the attendant. Under the waning light of second moon, the ledge gave them a panoramic view. The shield wall with Mount Idaho to the north great flat to the south and rolling dunes eastward toward Hibanya Ridge, winding dust, the aftermath of a storm hit the southern horizon, moonlight frosted the rim of the shield wall, Stilger had come against his will, joining the secret adventure finally because Leto aroused his curiosity. Why was it necessary to risk a sand crossing in the night? The lad had threatened to sneak away and make the journey alone if Stilber refused. The way of it bothered him profoundly, though. Two such important targets alone in the night. Leto squatted on the ledge facing south toward the flat. Occasionally, he pounded his knee, as though in frustration. Stilker waited. He was good at silent waiting, and stood two paces to one side of his charge, arms folded, his robe moving softly in the night breeze. For Lido, the sand crossing represented a response to inner desperation. A need to seek a new alignment for his life in a silent conflict which Ganyima could no longer risk. He had maneuvered Stilker into sharing the journey because there were things Stilker had to know and preparations for the days ahead. Again, Leto pounded his knee. It was difficult to know a beginning. He felt at times, like an extension of those countless other lives. All as real and immediate as his own. In the flow of those lives, there was no ending, no accomplishment, only eternal beginning. They could be a mob, too, clamoring at him as though he were a single window which each desired to peer. And there lay the peril which had destroyed Alia. Leto stared outward at the moonlight, silvering the storm remnants. Folds and overfolds of dunes spread across the flat. Silica grit measured out by the winds, mounded into waves. Pea sand, grit sand, pebbles. He felt himself caught in one of those poised moments just before dawn. Time pressed at him. It was already the month of Akkad, 
and behind him lay the last of an interminable waiting time. Long, hot days, hot, dry winds, nights like this one tormented by gusts and endless blowings from the furnace lands of the hawk bled. He glanced over his shoulder toward the shield wall, a broken line in starlight. Beyond that wall, in the northern sink, lay the focus of his problems. Once more, he looked to the desert. As he stared into the hot darkness, day dawned, the sun rising out of dust scarves and placing a touch of lime into the storm's red streamers. He closed his eyes, willing himself to see how this day would appear from Rakian. The city lay there in his consciousness, caught up like a scattering of boxes between the light and the new shadows. Desert. Boxes. Desert. Boxes. When he opened his eyes, the desert remained. A spreading curry expanse of wind-kicked sand. Oily shadows along the base of each dune reached out like rays of the night just past. They linked one time with the other. He thought of the night, squatting here with Stilga restless beside him. The older man worried at the silence and the unexplained reasons for coming to this place. Stilka must have many memories of passing this way with his beloved Madib. Even now, Stilka was moving, scanning all around, alert for dangers. Stilka did not like the open in daylight. It was pure old Fremen in that. Lido's mind was reluctant to leave the night and the clean exertions of a sand crossing. Once here in the rocks, the night had taken on its black stillness. He sympathized with Stilgar's daylight fears. Black was a single thing even when it contained boiling terrors. Light could be many things. Night held its fierce smells and its things which came with slithering sounds. Dimensions separated in the night, everything amplified. Thorns sharper, blades more cutting. But terrors of the day could be worse. <clears throat> Stilgar cleared his throat. Leto spoke without turning. I have a very serious problem still. So I surmised. The voice beside Leto came low and wary. The child that sounded disturbingly of the father was a thing of forbidden magic which touched a chord of revulsion in Stilgar. Fremen knew the terrors of possession. Those found possessed were rightfully killed, and their water cast upon the sand lest it contaminate the tribal cistern. The dead should remain dead. It was correct to find one's immortality in children, but children had no right to assume to exact a shape from their past. My problem is that my father left so many things undone, Leto said, especially the focus of our lives. The Empire cannot go on this way still. Without a proper focus for human life, 
I'm speaking of life, you understand? Life, not death. Once, when he was troubled by a vision, your father spoke in this vein to me. Stoker said, Leto found himself tempted to pass off that questioning fear beside him with a light response. Perhaps a suggestion that they break their fast. He realized that he was very hungry. They had eaten the previous noon. Leto had insisted on fasting through the night. But another hunger drew him now. The trouble with my life is the trouble with this place. Leto thought. No preliminary creation. I just go back and back and back until distances fade away. I cannot see the horizon. I cannot see the Banya Ridge. I can't find the original place of testing. There's really no substitute for prescience, Leto said. Perhaps I should risk the spice and be destroyed as your father was. A dilemma, Leto said. Once your father confided in me that knowing the future too well was to be locked into that future to the Exclusion of any freedom to change. The paradox, which is our problem, Leto said. It's a subtle and powerful thing, Prescience. The future becomes now. Besided in the land, the blind carries its own perils. If you try to interpret, what you see for the blind, you tend to forget that the blind possess an inherent movement conditioned by their blindness. They are like a monstrous machine moving along its own path. They have their own momentum, their own fixations. I fear the blind still. I fear them can so easily crush anything in their path. Stilker stared at the desert. Lime dawn had become steel day. He said, Why have we come to this place? Because I wanted you to see the place where I may die. Stilker tensed. Then, so you have had a vision. Perhaps it was only a dream. Why do we come to such a dangerous place? Stilker glared down at his charge. We will return at once. I won't die today still. No. What was this vision? I saw three paths. Leto said, his voice came out with a sleepy sound of remembrance. One of those futures requires me to kill our grandmother. Stilgar shot a sharp glance back toward Siege to Burr, as though he feared the Lady Jessica could hear them across the sandy distance. Why? To keep from losing the spice monopoly. I don't understand. Nor do I, but that is the thought of my dream when I use the knife. Oh. Stilgar understood the use of a knife. He drew a deep breath. What is the second path? Johnny and I marry to seal the Atreides bloodline. Yeah. Stilker expelled his breath in a violent expression of distaste. It was usual in ancient times for kings and queens to do this. 
Ido said. Gani and I, we've decided we will not breed. I warn you to hold fast in that decision. There was death in Stilka's voice. By famine law, incest was punishable by death on the hanging tripod. <clears throat> he cleared his throat, asked, And the third path? I am called to reduce my father to human stature. He was my friend Mahdib, Stilka muttered. He was your god. I must undeify him. Stilka turned his back on the desert, stared toward the oasis of his beloved besieged Burr. Such talk always disturbed him. Leto sensed the sweaty smell of Stilker's movements. It was such a temptation to avoid the purposeful things which had to be said here. He could talk half the day away, moving from the specific to the abstract, as though drawn away from real decisions, from those immediate necessities which confronted them. And there was no doubt that House Karina posed a real threat to real lives. His own and Ghani's. But everything he did now had to be weighed and tested against the secret necessities. Stilger, once it voted to have Faradin assassinated, holding out for the subtle application of Chamurki, poison administered in a drink. Faradin was known to be partial to certain sweet liquors that could not be permitted. If I die here still, Leto said, you must be aware of Alia. She is no longer your friend. What is this talk of death and your aunt? Now Stilka was truly outraged. Kill the Lady Jessica. Beware of Alia. Die in this place. Small men changed their faces at her command, Leto said. A ruler need not be a prophet still, nor even godlike. A ruler need only be sensitive. I brought you here with me to clarify what our Imperium requires. It requires good government that does not depend upon laws or precedent, but upon the personal qualities of whoever governs. The Regency handles its Imperial duties quite well, Stilker said. When you come of age, I am of age. I'm the oldest person here. You're pulling infant beside me. I can remember times more than 50 centuries past. <laughs> I can even remember when we Fremen were on the Grod. Why do you play with such fancies? Stoker demanded, his tone peremptory. Leto nodded to himself. Why indeed? Why recount his memories of those other centuries? Today's Fremen were his immediate problem. Most of them still only half-tamed savages, prone to laugh at unlucky innocence. Kray's knife dissolves at the death of its owner, Leto said. Adib has dissolved. Or are the Fremen still alive? It was one of those abrupt thought changes which so confounded Stilker. He found himself temporarily dumb. Such words contained meaning. But their intent eluded him. 
I am expected to be emperor, but I must be the servant, Leto said. He glanced across, his shoulder at Stilker. My grandfather, for whom I was named, added new words to his coat of arms when he came here to Dune. Here I am. Here I remain. He had no choice, Stilger said. Very good still. Nor have I any choice. I should be the Emperor by birth. By the fitness of my understanding. By all that has gone into me. I even know what the Imperium requires. Good government. Nab has an ancient meaning, Stilger said. It is servant of the siege. I remember your training still, Leto said. For proper government, the tribe must have ways to choose men whose lives reflect the way a government should behave. From the depths of his Fremen soul, Stilger said, You will assume the Imperial Mantle if it's meat. First, you must prove that you can behave in the fashion of a ruler. <laughs> Unexpectedly, Leto laughed. Then, do you doubt my sincerity still? Of course not. My birthright? You are who you are. And if I do what is expected of me, that is the measure of my sincerity, huh? It is the Fremen practice. And I cannot have inner feelings to guide my behavior. I don't understand what. If I always behave with propriety, no matter what it costs me to suppress my own desires, and that is the measure of me. Such is the essence of self-control, youngster. Youngster? Leto shook his head. Ah, oh, still, you provide me with the key to a rational ethic of government. I must be constant. Every action rooted in the traditions of the past. That is proper. But my past goes deeper than yours. What difference? I have no first-person singular still. I am a multiple person with memories of traditions more ancient than you could imagine. That's my burden still. I'm past-directed. I'm Abram. With innate knowledge resist newness and change and Madib changed all this he gestured at the desert his arms sweeping to encompass the shield wall behind him Stilger turned to peer the shield wall a village had been built beneath the wall since Madib's time houses to shelter a planetology crew helping spread plant life into the desert Stilgar stared at the man-made intrusion into the landscape. Change. Yes. There was an alignment to the village, a trueness which offended him. He stood silently ignoring the itching of grid particles under his still suit. That village was an offense against the thing this planet had been. Suddenly, Stilger wanted a circular howling wind to leap over the dunes and obliterate that place. The sensation left him trembling. Leto said, have you noticed still that the new still suits are of sloppy manufacture? Our water loss is too high 
Stilker stopped himself on the point of asking, Have I not said it? Instead, he said, Our people grow increasingly dependent upon the pills. Leto nodded. The pills shifted body temperature, reduced water loss. They were cheaper and easier than still suits, but they inflicted the user with other burdens among them a tendency to slowed reaction time, occasional blurred vision. Is that why we came out here? Stilger asked. To discuss still suit manufacture. Why not? Leto asked. Since you will not face what I must talk about, why must I beware of your aunt? Anger edged his voice. Because she plays upon the old Fremen desire to resist charge, yet would bring more terrible change than you can imagine. You make much out of little. She's a proper Fremen. Ah. Then the proper Fremen holds to the ways of the past, and I have an ancient past. Still, were I to give free reign to this inclination, I would demand a closed society, completely dependent upon the sacred ways of the past. I would control migration, explaining that this fosters new ideas, and new ideas are a threat to the entire structure of life. Each little planetary polis would go its own way, becoming what it would. Finally, the Empire would shatter under the weight of its differences. Stoker tried to swallow in a dry throat. These were words which Maudib might have produced. They had his ring to them. They were paradox. Frightening. But if one allowed any change... He shook his head. The past may show the right way to behave if you live in the past still, but... Circumstances change. Stilker could only agree that circumstances did change. How must one behave then? He looked beyond Leto, seeing the desert, not seeing it. A David walked there. The flat was a place of golden shadows as the sun climbed. Purple shadows, gritty rivulets crested, and dust vapors. Dust fog, which usually hung over Habanya Ridge, was visible in the far distance now. The desert between presented his eyes with dunes diminishing, one curve into another. Through the smoky shimmer of heat, he saw the plants which crept out from the desert edge. Maudib caused life to sprout in that desolate place. Copper, gold, red flowers, yellow flowers, rust and russet, gray, green leaves, spikes, and harsh shadows beneath bushes. Motion of the day's heat set shadows quivering, vibrating in the air. Presently, Stoker said, I am only a leader of Fremen. You are the son of a duke. Not knowing what you said, you said it, Leto said. Stilger scowled once long ago. Odivid chided him thus. You remember it, don't you still? Leto asked. We were under Habanya Ridge in the Sadakar, Captain. Remember him? Aram Shum. He killed his friend to save himself. 
and you warned several times that day about preserving the lives of Sadakar, who'd seen our secret ways. Finally, you said they would surely reveal what they'd seen. They must be killed. My father said, not knowing what you said, you said it. And you were hurt. You told him you were only a simple leader of Fremen Dukes. Us no more important things. Stilger stared down at Leto. We were under Habanya Ridge. We. This. This child, not even conceived on that day, knew what had taken place in exact detail. The kind of detail which could only be known to someone who had been there. It was only another proof that these Atreides children could not be judged by ordinary standards. Now you will listen to me, Leto said. If I die or disappear in the desert, you are to flee from siege to Burr, I command it. You are to take Dani, and you are not yet my duke. You're a, a child. I'm an adult in a child's flesh, Leto said. He pointed down to a narrow crack in the rocks below them. If I die here, will be in that place. You will see the blood. You will know then. Take my sister and... I'm doubling your guard, Stilgar said. You're not coming out here again. We are leaving now and you... Still, you cannot hold me. Turn your mind once more to that time at Habanya Ridge, Remember? factory crawler was out there on the sand and a big maker was coming there was no way to save the crawler from the worm and my father was annoyed that he couldn't save that crawler but gurney could think only of the men he'd lost in the sand remember what he said your father would have been more concerned for the men he couldn't save still I charge you to save people. They're more important than things. And Gani is the most precious of all because without me, she is the only hope for the Atreides. I will hear no more, Stilgar said. He turned and began climbing down the rocks toward the oasis, across the sand. He heard Leto following. Presently, Leto passed him and, glancing back, said, Have you noticed still how beautiful the young women are this year? The life of a single human, as the life of a family or an entire people persists as memory, my people has come to see this as part of their maturing process. They are people as organism, and in this persistent memory, they store more and more experiences in a subliminal reservoir. Humankind hopes to call upon this material if it is needed for a changing universe. Much that is stored can be lost in that chance play of accident which we call fate. Much may not be integrated into evolutionary relationships and thus may not be evaluated and keyed into activity by those ongoing environmental changes which inflict themselves upon flesh. The species can forget. This is the special value of the Kwisatz Zadarak which the Bene Gesserits never suspected. The Kwisatz Zadarak cannot forget Book of Leto, after Hark Al Ada. Stoker could not explain it, 
but he found Leto's casual observation profoundly disturbing. It ground through his awareness all the way back across the sand as each to burr, taking precedence over everything else Leto had set out there on the attendant. Indeed, the young women of Arrakis were very beautiful that year, and the young men too. Their faces glowed serenely with the water richness. Their eyes looked outward and far. They exposed their features, often without any pretense of still suit masks and the snaking lines of catch tubes. Frequently, they did not even wear still suits in the open, preferring the new garments which, as they moved, offered flickering suggestions of the lithe youth bodies beneath. Such human beauty was set off against the new beauty of the landscape, by contrast with the old Arrakis. The eye could be spellbound by its collision with a tiny clump of green twigs growing among red-brown rocks. In the old siege warrens, the cave metropolis culture, complete with elaborate seals and moisture traps at every entrance, were giving way to open villages built often of mud bricks. Mud bricks. Why did I want the village destroyed? Stilger wondered, and he stumbled as he walked. He knew himself to be of a dying breed. Old Fremen gasped in wonder at the prodigality of their planet. Water wasted into the air for no more than its ability to mold building bricks. Water for a single one-family dwelling would keep an entire siege alive for a year. The new buildings even had transparent windows to let in the sun's heat and to desiccate the bodies within. Such windows opened outward. New Fremen within their mud homes could look out upon their landscape. They no longer were enclosed and huddling in a siege. Where the new vision moved, there also moved the imagination Stilgar could feel this. The new vision joined Fremen the rest of the Imperial Universe, conditioned them to unbounded space. Once they'd been tied to water poor Arrakis by their enslavement to its bitter necessities, they'd not shared that open-mindedness which conditioned inhabitants on most planets of the Imperium. Stilver could see the changes contrasting with his own doubts and fears in the old days, it had been a rare Fremen who even considered the possibility that he might leave Arrakis begin a new life on one of the water-rich worlds. They'd not even been permitted the dream of escape. He watched Leto's moving back as the youth walked ahead. Leto had spoken of prohibitions against movement off-planet. Well... That had always been a reality for most other worlders. Even where the dream was permitted as a safety valve, the planetary serfdom had reached its peak here on Arrakis. Fremen had turned inward, barricaded in their minds as they were barricaded in their cave warrens. The very meaning of Sitch place of sanctuary in times of trouble had been perverted here into a monstrous confinement for an entire population. Leto spoke the truth. Adib had changed all that. Stilgar felt lost. He could feel his old beliefs crumbling. The new outward vision produced life which desired to move away from containment. How beautiful the young women are this year, 
The old ways. My ways, he admitted. It forced his people to ignore all history except that which turned inward onto their own travail. The old Fremen read history out of their own terrible migrations, their flights from persecution into persecution. The old planetary government had followed the stated policy of the old Imperium. They had suppressed creativity and all sense of progress, of evolution. Prosperity had been dangerous to the old Imperium and its holders of power. With an abrupt shock, Stilgar realized that these things were equally dangerous to the course which Alia was setting. Again, Stilgar stumbled and fell further behind Leto. In the old ways, in old religions, there'd been no future, only an endless now. Before Madiv, Stilgar saw the Fremen had been conditioned to believe in failure, never in the possibility of accomplishment. That was a dream which, he saw now, had also turned inward. Madiv had changed that. During the Jihad, Fremen had learned much about the old Padishah Emperor, Shaddam IV. The 81st Padishah of House Carino to occupy the Golden Lion throne and reign over this imperium of uncounted worlds had used Arrakis as a testing place for those policies which he hoped to implement in the rest of his empire. His planetary governors on Arrakis had cultivated a persistent pessimism to bolster their power base. It made sure that everyone on Arrakis, even the free-roaming Fremen, became familiar with numerous cases of injustice and insoluble problems. They had been taught to think of themselves as a helpless people for whom there was no succor. How beautiful the young women are this year. As he watched Leto's retreating back, Stilgar began to wonder how the youth had set these thoughts flowing. And just by uttering a seemingly simple statement. Because of that statement, Stilgar found himself viewing Alia and his own role on the council in an entirely different way. Alia was fond of saying that old ways gave ground slowly. Stilker admitted to himself that he'd always found this statement vaguely reassuring. Change was dangerous. Invention must be suppressed. Individual willpower must be denied. What other function did the priesthood serve than to deny individual will? Alia kept saying that opportunities for open competition had to be reduced manageable limits, but that meant the recurrent threat of technology could only be used to confine populations, just as it had served its ancient masters. Any permitted technology had to be rooted in ritual. Otherwise, otherwise, again Stilgar stumbled. He was at the Quanet now, and saw Leto waiting beneath the apricot orchard, which grew along the flowing water. Stilgar heard his feet moving through uncut grass. Uncut grass. What can I believe? Stilgar asked himself. It was proper for a Fremen of his generation to believe that individuals needed a profound sense their own limitations. Traditions were surely the most controlling element in a secure society. People had to know the boundaries of their time, of their society, 
of their territory. What was wrong with the siege as a model for all thinking? The sense of enclosure should pervade every individual choice, should fence in the family, the community, and every step taken by a proper government. Stilker came to a stop and stared across the orchard at Lido. The youth stood there regarding him with a smile. Does he know the turmoil in my head? Stilker wondered, and the old Fremenab tried to fall back on the traditional catechism of his people. Each aspect of life required a single form, its inherent circularity based on secret inner knowledge what will work and what will not work. The model for life, for the community, for every element of the larger society right up to and beyond the peaks of government. That model had to be the siege and its counterpart in the sand, Shai Halud. The giant sandworm was surely a most formidable creature. But when threatened, it hid in the impenetrable depths. Change is dangerous, Stilker told himself. Sameness and stability were proper goals of government. But the young men and women were beautiful. And they remembered the words of Majib as he deposed Shadam the Fourth. It's not long life to the Emperor that I seek. It's long life to the Imperium. Isn't that what I've been saying to myself? Stilker wondered. He resumed walking, headed toward the siege entrance slightly to Leto's right. The youth moved to intercept him. Maudib said another thing. Still reminded himself, just as individuals are born, mature, breed, and die, so do societies and civilizations and governments. Dangerous or not, there would be change. The beautiful young Fremen knew this. They could look outward and see it, prepare for it. Stilker was forced to stop. It's either that or walk right over Leto. The youth peered up at him owlishly, said, You see still, tradition isn't the absolute guide you thought it was. A Fremen dies when he is too long from the desert. This we call the water sickness. Stilker, the commentaries. It is difficult for me asking you to do this, Alia said, but I must ensure that there's an empire for Paul's children to inherit. There's no other reason for the regency. Alia turned from where she was seated at a mirror completing her morning toilet. She looked at her husband, measuring how he absorbed these words. Duncan, Idaho, deserved careful study in these moments. There was no doubt that he'd become something far more subtle and dangerous than the one-time swordmaster of House Atreides. The outer appearance remained similar black goat hair or sharp dark features but in the long years since his awakening from the gula state he had undergone an inner metamorphosis she wondered now as she had wondered many times what the gula rebirth after death might have hidden in the secret loneliness of him before the telalaxu had worked their subtle science on him, Duncan's reactions had borne clear labels for the Atreides. Loyalty, 
fanatic adherence to the moral code of his mercenary forebears, swift to anger and swift to recover. He had been implacable in his resolve for revenge against the House Harkonnen, and he had died saving Paul. But the Tilalaxu had bought his body from the Sadakar, and in their regeneration vats, they had grown the zombie Katrundo, the flesh of Duncan Idaho, but none of his conscious memories. He'd been trained as a mentat and sent as a gift, a human computer for Paul. A fine tool equipped with a hypnotic compulsion to slay his owner. The flesh of Duncan Idaho had resisted that compulsion and, and the intolerable stress. His cellular past had come back to him. Alia had decided long ago that it was dangerous to think of him as Duncan in the privacy of her thoughts. Better to think of him by his ghoulin name. Hate. Far better. And it was essential that he get not the slightest glimpse of the old Baron Harkonnen sitting there in her mind. Duncan saw Alia studying him, turned away. Love could not hide the changes in her, nor conceal from him the transparency of her motives many-faceted metal eyes which the Telelaxu had given him were cruel in their ability to penetrate deception. They limbed her now as a gloating, almost masculine figure, and he could not stand to see her thus. Why do you turn away? Alia asked. I must think about this thing. He said, Lady Jessica is an Atreides. And your loyalty is to House Atreides, not to me. Alia pouted. listening to the Dead Authors Society. Be sure to follow for more content posted several days a week.